Welcome to the Take the Cake podcast. I am your host, Kate Noel, and I am so happy you're here. My mission is to inspire you to be the best version of yourself by truly honoring what your mind, body, and soul want and need. Here, we talk about everything and anything, wellness, recovery, lifestyle stuff, lots more. Thank you so much for being here, and I hope you enjoy the show. Hello, beautiful people. Welcome back to the Take the Cake podcast. Today's episode is going to be a solo episode, just me, and I'm going to be sharing with you how I work with my clients as well as how I recommend incorporating fear foods and food rules into your life and into your diet again. Um, So this is an exciting episode. I feel that this is something many of you will resonate with, and especially if you're an OG YouTube fan of mine, because that was my thing, was challenging fear foods on YouTube very intensely. I, I did it kind of a very intense way. So this is my approach that's a little bit more realistic and a little bit more applicable to the majority of people. So before we get into the episode, I wanted to shout out a recent review. This is from somebody named Piche. Piche. <laughs> it says, Kate has helped my relationship with food, exercise, body, and health so much. I've been in recovery from many different eating disorders for the past two years, and Kate has maintained the one influencer that has continued to leave a positive impact on me with every post and podcast episode. I found that a lot of recovery influencers are 100% ingrained in quote health and quote wellness culture to the point of borderline orthorexia. Kate really spreads ideas of, like she says, honest health and wellness. I learned that health is not an all or nothing thing. It's a journey for everyone. It does not have to be just Greek yogurt, 100% whole foods, protein bars, or two hour workout sessions every day. She also shows that recovery doesn't have to be throwing away the pursuit of well-being. The way Kate doesn't center her recovery on her body is also incredibly comforting to me. As a follower of Kate since her YouTube days, I think she now does a great job at not surrounding recovery with only food content, as it is so much more than that. Thank you and keep up what you're doing. Wow, that was such a sweet uh, review. I I feel like I know you so well from this review because it was so beautiful and I appreciate that you can take away from my content that I am really focused on honest health and wellness because it's a slippery slope out there, especially for those of us who have been through recovery or or are in recovery. Going into orthorexia seems to be a kind of easy path to slip into. And unfortunately, orthorexia is not a diagnosable eating disorder yet. So it just gets kind of confusing. And um, I just appreciate this review a lot. I definitely, while I was in quasi-recovery, had a little bit of an orthorexic mind. So I appreciate that you are getting that from my recovery content. There's a huge difference between health and wellness that is centered on your heart, mind, body, soul, and just holistic well-being. And then there's the sort of fake quasi-recovery that I'm finding on the internet nowadays that's kind of like, 
well, we still eat a certain way, we still only use certain foods, and we still work out, and that's living our best lives. You know, there's just so much more to health and wellness. So I appreciate this so much. I wish you the best of luck in your recovery and in your life. If you would like to leave me a review and a rating, please do. That's actually the best way you can support this podcast. I appreciate all of them so much, and you could be featured on the next episode. So let's get into the episode about fear foods. So let's just start off by describing what they are. So fear foods are foods that you are avoiding that make you feel uncomfortable and afraid. And they're often present with disordered eating, eating disorders. They can be specific foods um, or they can actually be more of a food rule. And sometimes they start off as a specific food and then they develop into food rules, which includes more foods within the rule. So an example of a fear food would be ice cream. An example of a food rule would be desserts. I can't have desserts and ice cream is included into that. Or uh, maybe like a specific fear food would be, I don't allow myself to eat bread. Um, And then the food rule could be, I don't allow myself to eat any carbs, you know, after four, including bread. So there's different types of, you know, food rules and fear foods. Um, But basically, you know, recovery means often challenging these fear foods So fear foods, so new foods can, um, so these food avoidances can come from many places and you can try and understand where your fear is rooted. Um, These foods can be from the media, diet culture, diet culture, she just gets everywhere, right? Society pressures, family, friends, like maybe your mom growing up, you know, was super conscious of the amount of bread she ate. So now you are. Um, past experiences, maybe you had an experience where someone commented, let's say you're getting a donut and somebody said, are you going to eat all of that? And now you're left with feeling shame. Like every single time you want to eat a donut or even think about a donut, or maybe diet culture has convinced you that dairy will make you inflamed. That's when I see a lot. So then you avoid dairy because you think it's going to help you with your acne because the science and research and numbers have you convinced, but um, that's another episode, right? Should I do an episode on dairy? Oh, there's a lot to say about dairy. Um, let's just say there's a lot of science and research that also proves that it's very healthy for you. So anyways, I digress. So why are trigger foods and new foods slash fear foods a problem? So avoiding food because of shame and guilt is problematic for many reasons. I mean, it's the list goes on, but I'm going to name a few. Maybe you resonate with some of these. So the inability to be spontaneous with friends and family, you know, while you're out to eat, while you're on vacation, even if you're like family cooks you dinner and they have a food that you're avoiding within that dinner, like it can get very hard to be spontaneous, not including diversity in your diet, which is very integral for our gut health, our health and well-being in general, our mineral health. Um, everything depends on having a nice diversity in our diet. So the longer sort of more rigid our food rules get, the less diversity we will have within our diet. And that will really alter the health of our gut microbiome and our brain and our hormonal systems. Um, Another problem is avoiding a desire for a food will result in body distrust. So not trusting our bodies and the energy of not trusting your body will put you into a stress state of living all of the time. If you're living in a state where you don't trust your body, that is automatically putting you in a fight or flight stage. 
because you're trying to run away from something that you cannot run away from. I know, wild. Um, toxic nutritional beliefs, they can start out innocent and then they can quickly spread into massive food rules and groups. So in my experience, fear foods do evolve and, and over time you can get more and more strict. It's kind of a pattern that our eating disorders and diet culture has set up for us. Once we kind of start innocently avoiding foods here and there or for the sake of quote health and wellness, it can quickly spread into anxiety and fear when we see these foods or when we know we're going to have to be faced with them. Um, black and white thinking is a consequence. Um, avoiding foods will make it harder for you to access your intuitive eater that's inside of you. This will result in eating very mechanically um, and robotic. You know, that's in, a, in and of itself a problem. Um, one of the problems that can occur from that is just avoiding pleasure in foods in your life. And avoiding pleasure especially from food, which is one of our main sources of pleasure in life is actually going against your existence because as humans, we seek pleasure, avoid pain. So you're going to be thinking about food a lot and it is going to be nagging at your mind. It's going to take over um, these foods that you're avoiding. They're going to take over your brain and your mind and it's going to be a lot of potential energy that you could be spending enhancing other parts of your life or using them in other parts of your life, you're going to be thinking about this food. The last one I'm going to mention is that it increases your risk for binging on that specific food. Black and white thinking, binging, once we restrict something for a while, it increases our risk of binging on that food. So maybe you resonate with some of those problems. Maybe you have more problems from having fair foods. There's lots of stuff. Another one I just thought of is like wanting... To, like not going out to eat certain restaurants and like before you or before you going out to eat looking at the menu to see like which things that you can find that don't have your fear foods in them I remember um when I was really sick with my eating disorder I used to literally not find anything from any restaurants because I just thought that every single thing had something in it that I did not allow myself to have um and how could I even be a little bit present when I'm thinking about you know my food instead of the conversation and the people that I'm with. So really your relationships are at risk too. Um, anyways. Okay. So let's talk about how to incorporate these new foods and these trigger foods back into your life safely without being overwhelmed, without binging, without, um, having, you know, just how to incorporate them back in, in my experience and the way that I work with new foods. So if you do watch my old YouTube videos, you saw the challenges I did, which are very extreme. And it's not, I don't actually recommend doing that. That was in obviously the early stages of my recovery, but you know, I really challenged myself with fear foods every single day. And it was like very black and white kind of in my opinion. So my approach with clients is to gradually work on identifying and challenging these triggering foods. So I like to start off by identifying fear, fear foods and food rules and breaking them up into two categories. So you can have a little piece of paper or just do this in your mind or write this in your phone and you have two categories. One of them is your eating disorders or diet cultures, food rules, why you cannot eat these specific foods. 
And the second category is actually your healthy self voices approach to that food. So for example, on the eating disorder voice side, I would say bread will make me fat. So I'm not going to eat bread versus on the other side, I would say bread can be a nutrient rich source of fiber, whole grains, and it will give me energy and satiate my need. Um, and desires. It's delicious and everybody needs carbs to live. So that's just an example. There's lots of other things that you can do depending on whichever foods you have. And if you cannot think of the healthy self voice yet, uh, that's okay. You can just continue to meditate on and, you know, go on in your recovery journey and throughout your recovery, I'm sure you will be able to come up with a healthy self version of why that food rule or fear food is not um, actually what your eating disorder says it is. So next, after you identify some of your fear foods and food rules, you can focus on one new food at a time. So just pick one that's really calling you. This can be easy. This can be random. Maybe there's one that you're like, I've always wanted to do this. I really miss this. I'm thinking about this food a lot Um, or just, you know, one that is doable. So I wouldn't pick one that's like so, so hard that, you know, is just the hardest thing in the world to you. You can't even imagine doing it. Pick one that you can visualize yourself doing successfully. That's really important. And now... The next step is to ask yourself, is there any place where this food is safe for me and isn't triggering? So for example, I'm going to use bagels (laughs) as my example. That was one of my scary triggering foods. So basically I categorize the bagel into three parts, triggering, or I guess the red light, if you're using like a red yellow light system, triggering or red, scary or yellow, scary, but doable. So scary, but doable or yellow and then safe or green. So it's like our light system. So let's just say for my old eating disorder, bagels, store-bought bagels, just regular white store-bought bagels with butter and cream cheese out at a restaurant would have been triggering. It would have been the red light for me. Whereas the yellow light would have been maybe a store-bought gluten-free bagel at home with butter, no cream cheese, and probably gluten-free or whole grain. You know, it would be scary, but it would still be doable. And then the safe version of that might be a piece of toast like with olive oil. So those are, you know, obviously toast and bagels are not the same, but you basically go from red to yellow to green. And the green is like, what can you do right now without overthinking it that's safe for you? Um, And you can pick any food like I mentioned. Maybe like, you know, if you are avoiding pasta, you could say, I can have um, a small serving of pasta and some rice or something like that. So there's lots of ways you can work through this. And like I said, with my clients, I work with them closely to really help support them in making these decisions because it can be a little bit overwhelming, but do your best if you are on your own. So now that you have identified your red, yellow, and green versions of this food that's safe, where um, green is safe, red is like, that's my goal, but that's very scary to me. It's triggering. Now we have a place to work. So now we can slowly adjust the safe foods and turning them into 
scary but doable, which is the yellow, and then turning them into the triggering, aka the red, until we feel comfortable and safe with the food and the anxiety and fear is gone around that food. So after recognizing your red, yellow, and green versions of these new foods, these triggering foods, uh, I want you to make a list in getting support and making a plan. So if you're working with a coach like me or a therapist, they can help support you in this. Maybe they'll, they could eat it with you or they could be there for you for guidance. They could just help you work through um, the process of it, making a plan. If you don't have a coach, you could ask a family member or a friend who understands your recovery and can help you. They could go to the store with you to get it. They could sit down with you while eating it. They could eat it with you, or they could just be there for you to talk after you challenged it. There's lots of options for people to be there for you. I also recommend journaling about the experience and having self-care tools to implement before and after. So what are some things that ground you and really keep you focused on recovery? So maybe that's listening to a a podcast. Um, Maybe that's meditating, taking a nice soothing bath, doing deep breathing, uh, calling somebody that you love. There's lots of things that you could do. Um, And another important step in planning to challenge yourself is to do it in a time that you know you can be relaxed as possible. So not when you have to go to work after, you know, sometime when you are at home and you're relaxed, maybe in the evening where you feel safe and at ease on the weekends, another really good time, I think, to do these types of challenges. I recommend taking a few deep breaths and getting yourself primed in a relaxed state, ready to experience the food. You can almost experience it like you've never had it before. Really get your mind opened up. Like I've never even tried this food before. This isn't brand new to me. And just really be as relaxed as physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually possible. Obviously, adjusting your trigger food and turning it into a safe food, it can take a bit of time. It might take a week. It might take two. It might take a month. It might take a couple months. But the idea is that whenever you feel you can and want to, whenever you're inspired to incorporate more of a challenge into the safe food, turning it into the trigger food. So I'm going to use the bagel with cream cheese and butter as an example. So the first day I challenged this bagel, you know, white store-bought bagel with cream cheese, sorry, not store-bought, going out to eat. This is the biggest, this is the trigger food for me. This is the red food. Um, Not anymore, but it used to be. Going to the bagel shop, getting a plain bagel with cream cheese and butter, eating both of the slices. So let's say I wanna challenge myself. And to get there, the first day, the first time I challenged myself, I'm going to do something that's just a little bit more challenging than my original safe food. My original safe food with this was a piece of toast with olive oil. So instead of having, um, you know, I'll have a piece of toast with olive oil, but instead of doing that, um, the first time I'm going to challenge myself, I'm going to do a piece of whole grain toast with butter. So instead of the um, olive oil, I'm going to do the butter because that's a little bit closer to my trigger food and I'll enjoy that. I'll see how it is. And then maybe the next time I go to challenge myself, instead of having the piece of whole grain toast with butter, I'll have the piece of whole grain toast with butter and cream cheese. So now it's not a bagel yet. It's not a white bagel. It's just a whole grain piece of toast with butter and cream cheese. So getting closer to the trigger food. Doing that as many times as you can until you feel comfortable and ready to move on. The next time I do it, 
I'll do, instead of doing a piece of toast, I'll go to the store, I'll buy a bag of whole grain bagels and I'll do half of the whole grain bagel, not the whole bagel with butter and cream cheese. And then again, doing that for a few days or until you feel very comfortable. The next time we challenge ourselves, we go and have the entire bagel. So two slices of the whole grain bagel with butter and cream cheese. The next time we challenge ourselves, we do go to the store and buy white bagels. So we do entire white bagel for breakfast for a week or so with butter and cream cheese. So we are just getting ourselves more and more familiar with um, and living and, and digesting these foods and experiencing these foods until they are not anxiety producing anymore. And then the last time I challenge them, um, I will go and do the triggering, you know, the thing that used to be triggering that now isn't so triggering. And now I know I have evidence to back up that I'm going to be okay. And that, you know, I've spent the past week, the past month, whatever it is, focusing and working towards getting to this place where I can go to the bagel shop. I can order a white bagel with butter and cream cheese and I can eat the whole thing or as much of it as I want. And I feel happy and good and maybe it's still a little bit scary a little bit of anxiety but I feel supported by my body and by the people around me and I know I can just keep working towards it until it's no longer scary so that's my approach with getting to the point where fear foods are no longer triggering and anxiety and you don't have to avoid foods anymore but you can slowly work up to the point where you can enjoy and have what you really ultimately want to have and turn that triggering food into a food that is just food for you. Now that you've done the bagel with cream, butter and cream cheese, like whatever that food is for you, you can just continue doing this with other foods and food rules. Um, I did want to make a note too. If a food is triggering you to engage in an eating disorder behavior like restriction the following day or purging, you can absolutely set boundaries for yourself in purchasing this food. So let's say I often binge on bagels with butter and cream cheese. I might not want to go to the store and have an entire sleeve or pack of bagels in my pantry ready, you know, right there for me. Instead, I might go to the bakery, purchase one bagel and enjoy it on that day. So that way I don't feel triggered by this food. I'm kind of setting boundaries for myself. So you could set boundaries for yourself um, another example is if I often binge on ice cream, I might choose to buy an individual serving of ice cream. So going to the store and buying like one of those little half pints or even a pint and not having an entire tub of ice cream. And then I can work on doing this method that I mentioned of introducing ice cream, slowly getting yourself acquainted um, with the food until you're able to have the tub of ice cream and not eat it, um, binge on it or or it doesn't trigger you anymore. Um, for example, let's use ice cream. I'll do another example with that because that was one of my um, old trigger foods. So let's say the first day I have yogurt instead of ice cream and I have like uh, dairy-free yogurt. Maybe the second time I challenge myself, I'll have dairy-free frozen yogurt. And the next time I challenge myself, maybe I'll have frozen yogurt that's just regular dairy. Maybe the next time I challenge myself, I'll have um, ice cream from the store that is dairy-free. The next time I challenge myself, I'll have, and I'll do it in the pint. The next time I'll challenge myself, I'll buy a pint of regular dairy ice cream that is um, 
exactly what I really wanted all along. So that's another example of taking the yogurt to basically like making yourself exposed to these small steps that add up into you having your accomplished, you know, trigger food in a way that doesn't trigger you anymore. Now, I do want to mention that I don't recommend including diet foods when it comes to this. Like I'm not going to recommend going to the store and buying some halo top instead of having the ice cream, right? I'm just don't do that. I would much rather you focus on having the food, but having it maybe in a little bit less quantity. If it's you know, hard for you to eat the food and you're very tempted to try out doing the whole tub of diet ice cream, that's like another podcast in itself because diet foods, especially the diet ice creams, really set us up to feel in that binge mindset because diet companies know that whenever we're purchasing diet foods, we're thinking about consuming the entire pint because we're in deprivation mode because that's what dieting is. So they have on their advertising, you can have the whole pint for only so-and-so calories really big on it because they know that that's exactly what you want to do because you're dieting, you're in dieting consciousness. So anyways, you know, I don't recommend doing that and going and buying those foods. Instead, I recommend just going to the store and um, getting a, maybe a smaller serving of the ice cream that you actually really want. So that is my approach. I hope that this was um, helpful for you. And if you have any questions, please feel free to go to my website. You can fill out the question form under the connect tab, um, or you can just DM me. I, I do see the, my emails a lot more, um, but I'd love to you know talk to you if you have any questions. And that is it. So thank you so much for tuning into this episode. Again, I really appreciate a rating and review if you feel aligned. And I will see you all in the next episode of Take the Cake. Bye.